The Derek Chauvin verdict is in, and we have got live analysis coming up. Don't move a muscle. It starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez today, uh, joined live, by the way. You know, we usually tape this show a little bit early um, because, you know, we have Elijah Schaefer on sometimes. We have Chad Prather on sometimes. Who knows what they're going to say? And we need edit. <laughs> we need to give edit some time just in case. Uh, we are coming to you live today from Blaze TV Studios to give the latest on the Tarek Chauvin verdict. We are joined by, as I just mentioned, Elijah Schaefer, host of Slightly Offensive. All my best on behavior Blaze today. All right, uh, Serious you, you better be. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to joke around because today is not a time to be joking. I mean, people say because of the verdict and what's happened, this is like a time to celebrate. And I would just like to say as we get into this, I don't think we really have anything to celebrate. I don't think our country is, is still headed in a good direction despite what people think, you know, was a, a victory or, or for the justice system. I mean, I think I think there's a lot that could still happen with a mistrial being called. I think that people still won't be satisfied. Right now, Breonna Taylor is already trending again. So now they're, they're, people are still out for blood. I think the want and the desire for civil unrest is still there and it's in the heart of the people. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like no matter what happened in this case that we are going to see a good end to all of this. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Uh, we are also joined uh, live in studio by Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, also on Blaze TV. And we have Josh Hammer here, a managing editor of Newsweek, who is here joining us remotely. So thank you, Josh, for being here as well. You are going to be our legal analyst, our official legal <laughs> analyst today. So thank you for being here. You bet. I wish we were. Re I wish that this re uh, reuniting was happening under better circumstances, Sarah. But it's always always good to be with you, nonetheless. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, so let me. Let's first. We've got obviously a lot to break down, a lot to get into. Yesterday, when we left, we uh, left the program shortly before Maxine Waters kind of doubled down on her comments, uh, and we've had a lot kind of transpire in the last 24 hours. But um, let's first go to earlier today, this afternoon in the courtroom when Derek Chauvin was uh, was read the verdict of uh, all three counts that he was being tried for. Watch. Members of the jury, I will now read the verdicts as they will appear in the permanent records of the 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota, County of Hennepin, District Court, 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, defendant. Verdict, count one. Court file number 27, CR 20-12646. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.44 p.m. Signed, juror four-person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count two. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count two, Third-degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Signed by jury four-person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count three. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count three, second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Jury four person, zero, one, nine. 
All right, Josh, um, I want to get your take first. I know you and I were texting beforehand, and I was a little shocked to see uh, the verdict come in so quickly. And I asked you, what's your gut tell you? And you said, you told me, I think it's going to be guilty. Uh, and here we are. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, Sarah, it's it's been almost a year, but I look, I remember last June when I was uh, still living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area coming in in studio and kind of breaking this down count by count. And at the, at the time, I think I said I was skeptical of second-degree murder, but uh, he's probably guilty on a lesser charge. That's more or less exactly where I stand uh, today. I haven't really changed on that. I think second-degree murder, based on the nature of the crime as defined in Minnesota law, is probably a stretch. I think any of us, and I'm as pro-law and order, pro-police as they come. I think any of us would be remiss if we looked at what happened here and said that this was clean as a whistle. Um, I, I, I think that uh, Chauvin probably had, almost assuredly, not just probably, almost assuredly had something coming. Um, it's a little quirky, by the way. Some of like my like law school friends group chats kind of lit up with the notion that he was guilty in all three counts. That's that's a little quirky. Uh, in most states, kind of the lesser included counts are kind of rolled into the upper counts, so to speak. I think it's probably just a procedural thing as far as um, sentencing is concerned. You're going to sentence based on all three counts and kind of preserving for appeal and whatnot. So I wouldn't look too much into that. Um, I, so yeah, in summation, I'm a, I, I'm a little surprised about the second degree murder, but I'm really not that surprised. I mean, I, look, what Elijah said, the climate that this is happening in, to call it toxic would be an understatement, okay? The Maxine Waters thing, Joe Biden earlier today, what in God's name was he mm -hmm. doing? So talking about the overwhelming evidence and the right verdict. This uh, report that came in overnight from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, which was doxing, effect, uh, doxing in name only, right? I mean, they didn't like literally use the jurors' names, but they kind of tried to divulge a lot of very sensitive information. The, the climate here is just so utterly toxic um, that I'm hardly surprised um, that he's guilty at all. I, I'm a little, little, little surprised about the second degree murder, but it's hard to be too surprised, honestly, about even that, I think. Yeah, um, and ju so just to, for the viewers who are not up to speed um, about what these actual definitions are in Minnesota, uh, I know, you know, obviously he was found guilty of second degree unintentional murder, third degree murder, and second degree manslaughter. So second degree murder, which Josh, you were saying is the kind of the most surprising to you, second degree murder is causing the death of a human being without intent to cause that death while committing or attempting to commit another felony. Um, so in this case, the alleged felony was third degree assault. But, uh, you know, it's 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 hard to wrap your head around um, at least this the second degree murder verdict. Um, Stu, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's like the legal definitions are. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, we're, I guess we're having technical mm -hmm. issues with that. All right. Let me let me get it was going to be good. Stu, Stu. I'm sure it was going to be amazing. <laughs> let me hold that thought and then let me get your your take on this first, Elijah. Yeah, I think the charges are, are pretty severe in this case because I think the charges are also matched up to the original footage that we saw, like Chelsea Handler said, where, well, we all saw the footage. So why is this guy not in jail for 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 killing somebody? And I mean, that was a good question. A lot of people had visceral emotional reactions. Uh, people wanted this guy 
you know, like I said, executed in the Capitol Mall at gunpoint. I mean, that's really how people felt about this. This man is perpetrating, you know, systemic racism, white supremacy. This is a longstanding measure, and this was not about justice for George Floyd. This was about justice for black people in general, right? That was what the whole movement was about, was the systemic oppression of black people, specifically young black men by police, and that this was a time for the justice system to stand up and show people more from a social perspective that we are still behind you. And that's why it's, it scares me a little bit because I'd like to think that justice is blind. Mm. And I would like to think that, that the justice system is based off of the facts and the findings. But you know, as we saw with pressure in the Supreme Court during the election, as we're seeing now, mobs can affect people's decisions. And unfortunately, even with these charges brought against him, I thought they, were gonna, I thought they weren't gonna stick. I thought second degree murder, I thought that's too intense. Mm -hmm. But as we saw today, it did stick. I know we'll probably get more into that, but I mean, I'm, I, I am kind of shocked and I'm not here defending or attacking anybody. I just, in the, in the judicial system, I did not see any legal route to get this to stick. And it did, and it shows me something I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, all right, we, we're gonna take a quick break and we will be back with uh, Josh, Elijah, and Stu. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Home Title Lock. So uh, if you guys do not know what home title theft is, consider yourselves lucky because you have not actually had to go through uh, the process of cyber thieves removing your name from your home's title. And uh, they forge your signature on a quick claim deed and then refile it and they become the new owner of your house. So all of the retirement nest egg that you have been building, all of the equity in your house has been completely lost. By the way, you may think that uh, there's something you can do about it with an identity theft program or maybe a banking, you know, uh, program that you have. No, you're actually left high and dry unless you have home title lock. Home title lock will help put a virtual barrier around your home's title and mortgage so that if someone starts tampering with it, home title lock will work to shut it down. All right, but you're not going to know if you have already been a victim of this unless you go to HomeTitleLock.com. You can sign up, uh, register your address to see if you have already been a victim, and you can register for 30 free days of protection. You can go to HomeTitleLock.com, use promo code RADIO. That is HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. Uh, all right, back with me are uh, Josh Hammer, Elijah Schaefer, and Stuber Gear, mm. who I believe we have fixed your problem. You now may speak. Have we, though? Yeah. Well, no. uh, now it's a problem for us. No? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but, Stu, I, I want to get into um, kind of the, the jury intimidation that we have seen unprecedented in my opinion as far as mainstream media and uh, lawmakers but what what are your thoughts on um, how everything shook out today I can't say I'm surprised by what happened um, you know look the 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 prosecution went to the same well over and over again which is you know watch the video right. look at what you just saw like that you can't possibly think that that's right and I think most people in America look at that and say you know, I don't know, I'm not an expert on Minnesota law, but I can tell what I just saw was not right and that should not happen. Um, and so you have that kind of as, the, as the, the, the foundation of this. I'm not surprised that this is the way this turned out. Um, there is though a part of me that looks at this and says, you know, I'm a little disturbed that we're just being held hostage here. Like yeah. there are cases like this that are uh, close calls when it comes to, you, you mentioned some of the concerns earlier, Elijah. And if those were, if that's what the jury felt, put yourself in the, in, the, in the position of one of those jurors. If you were like, you know what, I don't think he was guilty of this, would you say it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, we, maybe you would, but you'd be tempted to say, you know what, it's one guy. Yeah. 
call him guilty, save the city from burning to the yep. ground. Yep. And that is not the American way. I mean, it, it plainly isn't. Every one of these cases needs to be viewed on an individual basis with individual facts as an individual case. And we have now blown this up. We've, you know, we've seen it from f former OJ jurors all the way up to the way the activists speak today. And what they want is some sort of eternal justice of hundreds of years of oppression. And what they have is a system that, that, that looks at each individual case. And that seems to be slipping through our fingers. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a juror today, especially if you looked at those cases, those facts and thought, you know what, maybe he should leave. You'd be incredibly tempted to just pull the trigger anyway and say, look, it's one guy, maybe it'll get overturned in appeal. I, I, don't, I don't want my Zillow value to go to zero when it's a pile of rubble tomorrow, which is really the risk that a lot of these people who live in that city were taking. Yeah, and uh, so I wanna play a couple clips and then Josh, I'm, I'm gonna go to you to get your reaction. So, um, I, you know, we're talking about not just Stu. I think you're right. I think that there was a lot of like, you know what, if we have to sacrifice one man to save the country from from burning down, I think we'll do that. But, you know, we also saw, like I brought up before, a lot of jury intimidation tactics. Um, you not only had journalists doxing these jurors saying, well, you know, we know that one of the jurors is uh, lives in, uh, you know, uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Center. Is it Brooklyn Center? Mm -hmm. Brooklyn Square, where Dante Wright was shot. You know, we know that there's a nurse who works at this hospital who, uh, you know, we're just saying we know who you guys are. Can you live with us knowing who you are if you find him not guilty? Here is uh, a little bit of one of those exchanges live on CBS News Watch. Well, they've been keeping the jury very tight together uh, as they're coming in and out of court. So we know that there's a tunnel system underneath the government center, and they've been bringing the jurors up through that. The only time the jurors have been seen within the government center is when they have lunch, which is in the basement of the cafeteria. Other than that, we got a list of all 14 jurors, uh, their ages, what they had written on some of their statements that they provided to the court before they were selected as jurors. So what we know from that, and that's really the only information besides being in the courtroom that I can, can give to you, is that from those statements that they provided the court, there's at least one juror who lives in Brooklyn Center near where Dante Wright hmm. was shot and killed by police just last week. And we know that there are a few other jurors, according to Eric Nelson, uh, who wanted this wanted the jury sequestered immediately when that shooting happened in Brooklyn Center, is that there are at least two or three other jurors who have connections to Brooklyn Center. Of course, Brooklyn Center just on the edge of the city of Minneapolis. So, Josh, there was just one example that was not the only one. Um, and we even had the judge yesterday come out and say, hey, you know, you guys, I know you're, you filed a motion for a mistrial. It may not be a mistrial. I'm going to deny that. But, um, you know, you may have an appeal for a guilty verdict just based off of not just that, what we saw, but Maxine Waters' comments from the other day. Watch. I'm aware that Congresswoman Waters was talking specifically about this trial and about the unacceptability of uh, anything less than a murder conviction and talk about being confrontational, but you can submit the press articles about that. This goes back to what I've been saying from the beginning. I wish elected officials would stop talking about this case, especially in a manner that is disrespectful to the rule of law and to the judicial branch and our function. I think if they want to give their opinions, they should do so in a respectful and in a manner that is consistent with their oath to the Constitution to respect a co-equal branch of government. Their failure to do so, I think, is abhorrent, but I don't think it has prejudiced us with additional 
material that would prejudice this jury. They have been told not to watch the news. I trust they are following those instructions. So, Josh, what is your opinion on the level of jury intimidation that we have been seeing on the level of lawmakers getting involved, making these statements, and how it could tie into uh, a possible appeal? So a hearty amen to Judge Cahill. Um, that was a fabulous uh, mini soliloquy, I guess you might say, that he just read from the bench yesterday. Um, look, the level of juror intimidation here, juror tampering, uh, to use a term that maybe has a precise legal definition in Minnesota, but I think kind of colloquially we can kind of say that's almost what's happening here. This is like nothing that I personally have ever seen, that's for sure. Um, it kind of makes me wonder whether there's a whole problem with just the system in general, whether like Core TV was a mistake in the first instance, getting cameras in there. Maybe this all was just a terrible mistake. It's kind of similar, actually. It's almost analogous to an argument that Senator Ben Sass and others have made that maybe like maybe C-SPAN was a mistake. Maybe maybe giving people access to the inner workings of kind of the Bismarckian sausage-making process, depending on the branch of government, uh, can, can sometimes actually be counterproductive. Um, so look, I, I, I am not, I, I'm a bar attorney in Texas, not in Minnesota. I'm not an expert on, on Minnesota civil procedure or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, if Judge Cahill is literally saying this, and this is a man who was well-versed and well-schooled um, in the relevant civil procedure law in Minnesota, if he's saying that, that there might be grounds here for a mistrial, I, I have every reason to believe that. But just comparing it like you asked me, Sarah, I mean, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, it, it really is just a sad commentary on how we kind of nationalize and sensationalize the uh, as Stu accurately says, should be kind of ad hoc, case-by-case -case legal judgments. Um, the same way that Brett Kavanaugh was kind of a tribune for, you know, who was on trial for all the sins of white men, so too was a Derek Chauvin here, a tribune for all these sins of police officers. This mentality is just utterly toxic, though, and it frankly is actually un-American. Um, it really kind of cuts against the very fabric of um, you know the quintessential American notion of equal justice under the law, of individualism, of each man and woman unto his or her own. Um, it's just so toxic and it goes against what we stand for. But um, yeah, look, I would not be the least bit surprised if there were a mistrial based on what the judge there said for sure. Yeah, still your thoughts. Uh, we have this thing that goes on, and, and Josh mentioned it, where we kind of just take this larger issue. And because we can Throw out some names. Uh, that's that constitutes an argument. You can say Breonna Taylor, and you can say uh, Dante Wright, and you can you can say Eric Garner. Each one of these cases is totally different, right? They're totally different. Some of them are really legitimately unacceptable. Some of them are very understandable from the officer's perspective. Um, and there's this sort of availability heuristic where people will just pull these names. Oh well, I know these names, and therefore I can make a case. We know the facts of this. We're we're you know look more. White people are killed than, than black people mm -hmm. by police in this country. Um, that, that doesn't mean that each individual doesn't deserve uh, their time. And, you know, it, it really in some ways is a degradation to the, 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 the memory of George Floyd. George Floyd is an individual. George Floyd, if he was wronged in this case, as the jury decided he was, deserves to be treated on his own and not as this example of this overall bad behavior by people who wear blue uniforms. Um, he's an individual. And people, this is something we're losing in this country in a big way. Um, I, you know, I'd agree with uh, Josh in that, like, I like the idea that they're taking someone like Maxine Waters to task. I mean, tonight... I have uh, Alan Dershowitz on my show um, to talk about uh, about this, and he thinks there's a legitimate chance that they overturn these verdicts based on what people like Maxine Waters did. And, you know, you, you see this laid out, and it's hard to... to the, the verdict might not have changed from it, but the pressure that was put on by Congress people, 
by media members who just want the spotlight and don't care about justice and don't care about Derek Chauvin and certainly don't care about George Floyd is a is a real problem here. The, the verdict may have ended up the right way, but if you if the process is wrong, there's going to be problems down the road. And then, God, what happens if they come out and overturn this verdict? Good God, what's going to happen to that city and every other city around the country? Yeah, uh, you know, we're talking about lawmakers who are weighing in on this. It's it's not just uh, Maxine Waters. It's not just Nancy Pelosi. It is also the most popular president uh, of all time, we are told. <laughs> Joe Biden. Here is uh, Joe Biden weighing in on this case, saying he is praying that, that jurors uh, do the right thing. Watch. Both brothers, as a matter of fact. Uh, and uh, so uh, um, I, I can only imagine the pressure and anxiety they're feeling. Uh, and so I waited till the jury was sequestered. and. Uh, and I called, and as uh, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but Melonius uh, said today on television, and he accurately said it was a private conversation because uh, uh, Joe understands what it's like to go through laws. And um, they're a good family, and they're calling for peace and tranquility, no matter what that verdict is. I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict, which is it's overwhelming in my view. I wouldn't say that unless the, the jury was sequestered now, not hear me say that. But so we, we just talked to little. I want to know how they were doing, just personally, and we talked about personal things. Thank you very much for coming in. So, uh, Josh, I, I want you, while, while we have you, I want you to weigh in on, uh, you know, this is the president of the United States who is weighing in on this. He says, I, I made sure to say this after they were sequestered, so I'm not, you know, I'm not tampering with anything. What say you? Yeah, I mean, that's a nice, and uh, I don't want to downplay it. It's an important caveat. I mean, it obviously makes it less bad, but it's still wildly inappropriate. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if Joe Biden wants to be in a position where he is offering kind of his layman's perspective on what happens in a given case and what the outcome of a given legal adjudication should be, you know, the same way that like me or you, Sarah, are doing so, watching a video on TV and our computers and following these court proceedings, then he's in the wrong profession. He should not be the president of the United States. He should just be, you know, maybe he maybe maybe he could be a weird kind of Blaze TV contributor or something. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he could be a, he, he he could be a commentator for for goodness sake. But no, this is not his role. Okay, what Judge Cahill is getting at there, it's so important. The separation of powers. I mean, there's nothing more fundamental to our constitutional structure than separation of powers. And it's not just a literal separation of powers. It has to be kind of a slightly higher than that, a slightly more kind of symbolic separation of powers. Um, now, it, it, it kind of reminds me, actually, of something similar that we're seeing at the federal level, which is the Democrats' court packing push, of course. You know, mm -hmm. Joe Biden signed this commission into law. There's uh, Jerry Nadler and Ed Markey who have introduced this court, a, an actual court packing bill to add four new justices. Now, it's not going to pass the Senate, but the purpose of a piece of legislation like that is not necessarily to get passed. It's to cow into submission, intimidate, and ultimately subjugate those sort of Republican nominees who, um, you know, who don't have the spine basically to stand their ground. People like Chief Justice Roberts, uh, maybe people like Kavanaugh, Barry. I mean, we'll see who else they can possibly get. But it's, it's an intimidation tactic. I mean, it, it is an intimidation tactic for the more powerful branches of government, whether it's the legislature or the executive. Um, and I think that's basically what we're seeing here from President Biden. It, it, it's why 
wildly inappropriate. It's not his role. It's made slightly less bad by the fact that he waited until sequestration, but uh, it's not good. The optics of this are, are very bad. They're very deleterious and destructive to our separate separation of powers fabric. So, okay, real quick question, uh, kind of piggybacking off of that. Calm, I'm, maybe I'm a little bit of like a tinfoil hat, whatever, but I see this and I see the way that they are deliberately, you know, tampering with this case, deliberately saying things they it feels like they know they shouldn't be saying. Just part of me wonders, do they want an appeal and do they want him to eventually get off? Because can you imagine uh, the rioting that will happen if they think that this is going to happen in a certain way and then all of a sudden he gets off later? Maybe they can stretch out the civil unrest? I mean, it's, it's just hard to imagine that these people, I guess my question is, are they so arrogant that they just don't think that that someone will call them on this and that they will be held accountable for their words? Or are they this stupid? <laughs> I guess it's just ultimately my question. Josh. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you were talking <laughs> to do there. Um, no, look, um, I, this, um, I, I think they actually are this brazen. I mean, yeah. the, uh, the impudence that the, that the modern Democratic Party has, Sarah, we see this on issue after issue after issue. I mean, look, the, uh, the core packing analogy, I think, really kind of deeply resonates here. Core packing as a term used for decades was totally anathema to the median American voter. They would, you know, the voter of, of really kind of any partisan stripe would hear that and would kind of like intuitively bristle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg condemned core packing two years ago. Stephen Breyer did so at a Harvard Law School lecture two weeks ago. But the, the current elected Democrats, the people who are actually responsive to the modern Democratic Party base, who are responsive to the progressive grassroots who are actually elected at the ballot box by an increasingly shameless political movement and an increasingly radical political movement, they just don't care. I, I, I literally think at this point they they mostly just don't care. I mean, there are any number of issues, Sarah. We see, we see this over and over again. There are any number of issues where, you know, 10 years ago, you would have basically asked yourself, um, how could you, if you have any sense of shame, how could you possibly propose that? Um, you know, I, I think about what's, what's happening in, in, in Arkansas and, and in lots of states with respect to kind of um, chemical castration, with respect to puberty blocking hormones for, for teenage girls. I mean, that's the kind of thing that 10 years ago would have just elicited just an, an, a visceral sense of shame that like a politician could even propose that as being like a, a reasonable measure. So I think we're, I think that's what's happening with core packing. I think it's absolutely what's happening here with respect to Maxine Waters and Joe Biden. The modern Democratic party is just increasingly past the point of being shamed, I think. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree with you. Josh Hammer, opinion editor over at Newsweek. Thank you for joining us. It was uh, not the greatest of circumstances, but we really appreciate it. You got it. All right. Uh, to our sponsor for this segment, it is Built Bar. So if you have not yet tried Built Bar and you love chocolate, let me just tell you, um, we are slowly transitioning everyone at the studio into a built bar addict, including Elijah Schaefer not over proud. here. I'm not proud, but I but I am I'm leaner. I can still eat chocolate and not get fat, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it feels like you're eating a candy bar. Feels like you're eating something that is really bad for you, except it's not. It's really good for you. It's high in protein. It's high in fiber. It's low in calories and carbs. So it's a really great protein bar if you are looking to snack on something. Maybe you're working from home and you're going to the pantry all the time uh, to snack on something, and you're getting into stuff that you shouldn't be getting into. You got to get built bars in your life. Trust me, your waistline will thank me. All right, again, it's all covered in 100% chocolate. So you've got mint chocolate, you've got caramel brownie, they've got a ton of different flavors. You gotta go to builtbar.com, use promo code NEWS15, you will get 15% 
off of your order if you use promo code NEWS15 for 15% off only at Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T, BuiltBar.com. Uh, I want to get just kind of a, a view. I know, Elijah, you have been keeping up with what it looks like on the ground right now. Um, what is it, an hour and a half after the verdict was read? What are you finding? Yeah, so uh, journalist Brennan Getzwenger uh, is, goes by BG on the scene on Twitter. He's live there right now, and he uh, is capturing, number one, they already surrounded a semi-truck that appeared to just be delivering uh, normal goods to some extent, um, and to try to break open the windows, uh, mm. and they are yelling chants like ACAB, which stands for something I probably can't say on air, I'm assuming. We'll say all cops are bad. All, all cops <laughs> are bad. Um, we'll yeah, say. but it's more of a British slang. And on top of that, they're starting to harass and yell at the National Guard, yelling F the National Guard. So there's clearly tensions between them and law enforcement. There's uh, very strange vigils going on. One lady, one of the organizers, it appears, uh, was talking about George Floyd, that he was an intentional martyr, saying that he, you know, he gave his life so that, so for the purpose of being able to reopen other cases and start to convict police. There's a complete uh, religious experience, it looks like, going on outside the courthouse to an extent that it does not, I'm sure it doesn't shock you either. Mm. I mean, that's the point about this whole legal case is that this actually wasn't a legal case in my in, in yeah. my estimation. This was a cultural religious case of whether something was sin or not. Like did, did, did Chauvin commit a grave sin? Mm -hmm. Not did he do something mm. illegal, but did he do something against what we want our country to be? And unfortunately, like I said, you know, I mean, right now crowds are starting to gather in Columbus, Ohio, as police just shot someone and killed someone. It appears it might've been a white officer and a black man from what I'm seeing from reports. Oh. So good news for Jeez. Columbus, Ohio. Um, but my point being is that this doesn't solve anything, this Chauvin yeah. trial. This is, this is, and I, I don't, I don't want to say Floyd is not a martyr and Chauvin's not a martyr. This was, should have been a legal case. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, and I, I will unapologetically say this, even though Ben Shapiro is getting stacked on on the internet for saying this, but I agree with him when he said that Don Lemon would not have said justice is served if Chauvin would have gotten off. And, mm -hmm. and that's the point is mm -hmm. that like, like Joe Biden said, we were looking for a verdict, we were looking for something. And the criticism is, is like, yeah, because we knew he was guilty, but I watched the trial too. And I think there was relative doubt to see if this man was really guilty of those mm -hmm. charges. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I believe what we are now seeing is COVID justice. And what I mean by that is just like we counted the deaths from COVID, it was like, well, like a, someone I know recently said, oh, my you know, friend died from COVID. And I go, they did. And they go, well, they had obesity-related blood clotting and had blood clots in their heart and their lungs. But after they died, they had testing for COVID. So then they died from COVID. And I go, no, they died from obesity-related illness. And they go, mm, it's still COVID. And that's how we're like categorizing justice. It's like, well, we don't have reasonable like proof that he killed him and that it was what he did. It's like, well... It appears to be a variable, and it's like, so that's enough to convict a man of second-degree unintentional murder? I don't think so. In my estimation, if I was on the jury, I, I, I don't, that doesn't seem like the right charge. But it's like, well, it's, the, yeah, it's COVID justice. It's like, it's enough. Yeah. So, you know, he, did, he just did it. And no one really cares about the truth anymore or fact-finding. We'll, we'll run a pandemic for over a year now based off of faulty recording of information and misinformation, I would say, in a lot of ways. And I believe our justice system is in the same position now. And I, 
And like, yeah, Columbus, Ohio, the shooting, it's its not going to get better. I mean, this isn't going to stop. Well, and it is interesting because, Stu, you brought up uh, that, you know, it does appear that Derek Chauvin was kind of the, he, they sacrificed him, the jury sacrificed him uh, in order to appease all of these people from burning the cities down. But at the end of the day, if you were paying attention to anything that they've done over the last year, you would probably be able to predict that a guilty verdict is not going to prevent them from from burning anything down, from rioting. I mean, you know, and to be fair, there are like people win sports championships and like, <laughs> they, <Yeah. laughs> the buildings still burn, you we're know, so it's like who, who told you that this would appease them? Well, we're converting from a complaint riot into a celebratory riot. Uh, so, no. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I think could happen. Hey, Blackhawks are up now. They're deploying yeah. Blackhawks right now. I mean, I'm just oh. saying. Oh, oh, yeah. Blackhawks are up was, over in Minneapolis. I you said they were winning their hockey game. I, I know. Like, oh I was like, God. oh. Blackhawk um, helicopters being deployed, it, your point being. Yeah. yeah. I, look, you know, I mean, I, I think it's hard to step back from this. And, I, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I, like, I... I think there. This was not a good incident, and you know it's hard to imagine that the right outcome here is George Floyd being dead, right? I mean, right. we watched the video. Like I, you know, you he did things, right? He had issues, uh, you know. They went through that toxicology and all of those things during the uh, during the trial. Um, and I, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that I think that the reason why they came out guilty is that they were being held hostage. However, if you thought he was innocent, you would be influenced by that uh, that correct idea. Mm -hmm. The correct idea that if you came out with an, uh, if it, even if it was just a hung jury, we're talking about cities burning to the ground. And maybe there's less of a chance of it tonight. Maybe the violence will be less widespread tonight because the verdict came out right. But the next verdict might not. Mm -hmm. And this is this is why the, there's a larger conversation here. Like there's this tweet that was going around recently that was saying that you know it went somewhat viral on the left that was saying like we interrupt the uh, coverage of George Floyd trial to talk about the you know Dante Wright trial. We interrupt the the Dante Wright murder to talk about this murder. And they've kind of listed three or four names, which is. The summary of the argument here when it when it comes to accusing police is just naming names but like in a way that's it's true right like that is what happens that's what the media does and when with the knowledge that two times as many white people are killed by police as black people why are you going from one to another to another in that way mm -hmm. that's a media choice that's not a factual basis here you wonder why like gosh it always seems like there's another murder of a black man well you know what in a country of 330 million there's always a, something of almost every variety going on the question is what are you covering what are you elevating to this level and the, the media is making an outward choice to attempt to divide us because they believe that there's something there. Instead of giving real perspective of what the police do every day and what they go through every day, and, you know, that, they don't do that. They'd rather give you this sort of hype so it feels constant that there's always these unarmed black men being killed. And that's why when you see people go out in the streets and say, hey, how many African-Americans have, have, have been killed that were unarmed last year? People are guessing the thousands yeah. because, of course, it's an understandable thing if you haven't looked into it. The impression you'd get from the media right now is it is thousands and maybe tens of thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands when in reality it's nine or whatever the, the, the number actually is. Um, it's important to step back from there, and that's why I, I kind of always go back to the same thing. It's, they try to blame mass shootings on the right gun owners, 
Mm. No, you blame the mass shooting on the person who pulls the trigger. You like I am the biggest police defender you're going to find, I think, out there, or at least one of them. I, you know, I, I generally am going to always side with the cops because I understand. I've had relatives who were in that position, who, who they're, you know, I have an uncle who just passed away from cancer, who was a, a homicide detective for 30 or 40 years in New York State, and I know my aunt every night didn't know whether he was coming home or not. And it was an incredible, my cousin had no idea every night, you know, you, you wake up in the middle of the night and he's not home yet. You wonder what the hell happened. These guys go through incredible things. They're the best people among us. Um, however, they're not always right. Sometimes they do things that are wrong. We have to have a justice system that can say this cop did something wrong. This one may have committed a crime, but these didn't. Our media is incapable of doing that right now. Yeah. And so, uh, Stu, you bring up a really great point about the media. So um, let's go ahead and uh, take a break and then we will get into the media coverage of this back in a minute. It is interesting watching the media's reaction to this, uh, and I would like to throw in uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who ju I just recently saw, she went live on uh, Instagram and said, as we were discussing before, she said, the Chauvin conviction in George Floyd's death is, quote, not justice. I don't want this moment to be framed as this system working. So that is kind of the Wait. overall talking point. Uh, again, there's, there is no appeasing people, which is why you don't negotiate with terrorists. I cannot be more clear. Oh, just wait until you hear uh, MSNBC commentator Jason Johnson basically saying the same thing as AOC. He's not even happy about this. He's furious over the verdict. Here's what he had to say. Um, well, I'll, I'll say this, Nicole. Like I said, I, I actually always thought that he would be found guilty because it's sort of a cultural makeup call. But I'm not happy. I'm not pleased. I don't have any sense of satisfaction. I don't think this is a system working. I don't think this is a good thing. What this says to me is that in order to get a nominal degree of justice in this country, that a black man has to be murdered on air, viewed by the entire world, there have to be a year's worth of protests and a phalanx of other white police officers to tell one white officer that he was wrong in order to get one scintilla of justice. That doesn't make me feel happy. That doesn't make me feel satisfied. It makes me worry about what's gonna happen when these other officers are held on trial. It makes me upset all the more that we didn't have this for Breonna Taylor. It makes me concerned about what's gonna happen in the trial for Ahmaud Arbery. So, so uh, there you have it. This what? was not the system working. This was a, quote, cultural makeup call. He, he admitted, though, that the rioting and all this stuff is what influenced this. Like, we had to do all this to get the verdict we wanted. Right. Not that this verdict was actually justice. It was a cultural makeup, makeup call. call. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was like, this is what culture wanted to happen. And so this is what this is what pisses me off the most about this stuff is if you... I'm gonna be nice here because we're live. But, <laughs> Thank you. But to think that these are considered authoritative sources, right? We're in the world of fake news, misinformation, this idea of gotta have trusted sources. Every algorithm inside of, of YouTube and Google, it's gotta always elevate trusted sources, reliable news, MSNBC, all these people are really reliable. These people are pushing a narrative counterintuitive to the safety and well-being of our country. They're inciting violence, they're saying that no matter what happens, that even using violence, we only got, we only got here. Mm -hmm. So imagine what we're gonna have to do to get where we wanna be, AKA, to me, that's inciting violence. You're saying, look guys, rioting kind of works 
wait till you see what declaring war does. Mm -hmm. And it's going, I mean, that's where that's, that's the, how I interpret that rhetoric. And you're going, it is so dangerous to be on there and to literally admit on a network that this justice wasn't served, that you admit that this was just to make up the culture. And when justice is about appeasing the culture and not about doing what's right, you know that our country is going to collapse because even Proverbs says that where moral rot is found within a nation, the government soon topples. And that's what's happening. People think the moral rot is, you know, just debauchery or sexual promiscuity or something like that. It's like, no, when real rot comes in your, your country is when the justice system is no longer blind. When you start pushing things based off of what people want and not of what's right. And we're there now. I mean, our election system is not trustworthy. Our justice system is not trustworthy. I mean, this is where we're at in our country. And if you go to the streets of our major cities and you see the poverty and the homelessness, if you go to protests and riots, watch police stand down and not get involved. I mean, I hate to be the black-pilled guy in the room, but we are not in a good position for our country. And so in some ways I'll agree. It's like, yeah, justice wasn't served, sir. I agree with you. We didn't see justice today. But on top of that, I also agree with you. I, I know what's going to happen and continue to happen. We've tolerated this much violence. We've showed them that we will capitulate if they're violent. And so why would they stop? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a fascinating observation yeah. because I mean, like, look, if we could go back to the point where George Floyd is handing in a fake $20 bill, mm-hmm. we can all look at that point and say, this is a bad outcome for everybody. Right. Derek Chauvin's never going to see the light of day again. George Floyd is dead. Like, obviously, that, well, no one's happy with what happened from that incident. But, you know, people get killed all the time. That's what a free, it can happen in a free society. And, uh, you know, I'll, I don't know if the commentator would be uh, willing to comment on the fact that, you know, a lot of black people kill white people, too. Yeah. And you know what? The only way you can get justice from a terrible thing like that happening is in the justice system. Um, you know, you have this is this is where we are. Um, you know, that we are an imperfect people. Human beings commit crimes. Justice is is the retribution for those crimes. Right. We try to do what we can to make those things right. You're never going to bring somebody back to life. There's a lot of, you know, white families out there as well who have been killed by white people and all these other races. And it's not about getting justice for white people in those circumstances. And that's what's so frustrating about this. Look, you listen to the way they come and they're talking about this. It's the same way you'd hear Richard Spencer talking about this. It's like we need justice for white people. This is just racism. And racism is such a close sister to collectivism. They are one in the same in so many ways. When you look at individuals as members of races rather than individuals, you get this type of thought process. It's not about getting justice for black people. It's about getting justice for George Floyd. If he was killed and, and, the, just, and the justice system goes through that process and finds that he was, uh, was uh, that Chauvin was guilty of it, that is the, the American way to do something to try to figure out and, 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 and figure that out in a long-term sort of process. But you're not going to get justice for quote-unquote black people by that. It's about one person. Just like if a white person is killed by a black person, we're not getting justice for white people. We're getting justice for that one person. We've lost that sense of individualism in this country, and that's a really bad thing. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. Back in a minute. Mm. Very good point. I- We have a little bit left in the show, but I do want to ask both of you, um, where do you think policing heads after this? Because this feels a lot like a dangerous precedent that has just, there's a line in the sand now, uh, and everyone who's thinking about becoming a police officer, now you know what could potentially happen to you uh, in the heat of the moment when you make a wrong decision, Stu. 
I would have been out a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I am, uh, as I mentioned before, I think the police are the best among us. I am not the best among us. <laughs> so I would have wussed out and been the heck out. Because look, if you don't want us, to, you don't want us to be policing the streets. You want to risk it. By the way, without your your own Second Amendment to protect yourself as mm-hmm. well, what they also mm-hmm. want to take away. I, w- I don't think I would have had the dedication to stay. These guys that and, and and women who stay are amazing, and thank God they're there because without them, where would we be? Mm. Um, you know, I think we have a real misunderstanding as to as to the role police play in our society, and it's it is inflamed by the media. Uh, and if that does not stop, we're going to find ourselves in a place where we're all protecting ourselves. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, if you don't, if you don't, at that point, have a Second Amendment, you have nothing. Yeah, Elijah, we got about thirty seconds. Where do you think it heads? Well, I mean, LA, LAPD just put the city on tactical alert, and Black Lives Matter said that we got justice for George Floyd, but we still need a meet out in front of the mayor's mansion right now. And I, I don't think you can mm. appease the mob. So I, I think it's the unrest will continue. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you are watching blazetv.com to catch the latest. There's going to be a lot coming up, I know, overnight as well. So uh, you're going to want to tune in to the latest coverage only at blazetv.com.